Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to our, our Odd Pod Podcast. A podcast dedicated to the odd, the macabre, and everything in between. And everything in between. Is that why you held that face for so long? Yes. I was channeling that voice. Yeah, I yeah. saw it. It was remarkable. Thank you. Let's see what the Boneses are up to this week on our Odd Pod <laughs> Podcast. I hate that. That was awful. <laughs> Which part? The All face? All of it. You heard it here, guys. She hates my face. No. Yeah, no. She hates my face. She doesn't want to look at it. <laughs> Is this better? I hope my horrible ugliness doesn't offend you. I hope my horrible ugliness doesn't offend you. Anyway, how's it going? Not bad. Cool. How's that coffee treating you over there? Oh, man. Yeah? We're going to deep throat it next. Oh, dear. This is a family show. Is it? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> we don't talk about like a lot of family-appropriate topics. It depends on which family you're from. We're not going to judge Fair. people for their family dynamics no i would never i would just let's i would let's judge some people right now <laughs> first silently, caller silently <laughs> first caller <laughs> i didn't like what you said that one episode when jesus left the chat <laughs> i think Jesus, he'll never leave the chat he's always in the chat anyway um Where's that window shut down sign or shut down mode? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, here we go. Uh, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. This is like a, uh, you said it was almost like a continuation. Well, here's what happened. Okay, I don't remember if you recall the episode I did on um, like weird medicine. Yeah. Uh, but there was like a, two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, there was, some of us don't have the best memories. Okay, it's not two weeks ago. Where am I? Who are you? Just kidding. Um, anyway, two weeks ago when I was doing that podcast and I was doing a little research, I came across this thing that I wanted to mention, and then I thought, no, you know what? This would make its own. This would be better to use as its own topic. Okay. And it was basically the idea that uh, people were stealing bodies, and not just mummies, but like bodies. Yeah. I've seen that movie. To sell for different reasons. What movie? Repo, the genetic opera. Uh, no, it's based on true events. <laughs> First of all, they don't steal bodies. They steal organs. Oh, no, that's Repo Men. They repossess organs. Yeah. Have you seen Repo, the genetic opera? I've seen it twice, yes. Yeah, then you know that they... Have you seen Repo Men? No. We should watch it. Okay. I think it's good. I know it's like the non-operatic version of that movie so. yeah it's based on the book called repossession mambo bad costumes um it's not a musical but there's a lot of good music and it's uh, got jude law and forrest whitaker i don't know who either one of those people are but i'll consider if you it. saw them you'd know who they were okay um anyway so yeah it's basically about people stealing bodies you know for reasons <laughs> so reasons such as such as reasons that we will get into now no 
I'm going to sit here in silence for another 30 seconds, and then we'll start. Okay. Well, was... Just kidding. Um, yeah, we're going to get into it now. Sip. <laughs> okay, that's awful. <laughs> um, so, as the Age of Enlightenment sort of came into being, right? Ooh. Some previously taboo practices from the medieval period began to see the light amongst those damn scientists who were just determined to lie to the masses and spread their propaganda. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) One of these practices, (laughs) and the one that we will be focusing on today, not really focusing, but like it's the main reason why what happened happened, but it was the dissection of dead bodies. Yeah. Was this like when uh, like modern medicine was coming about? Kind of, it helped. Ha! So in the 16th century... Another episode I can contribute to. <laughs> in the 16th century, the belief in the resurrection of the body after death was still pretty commonplace. I think it's probably still pretty commonplace. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know, the dead in Christ will rise or whatever. So to interfere <laughs> with its peaceful internment was a we big time... We learned what that word meant. <laughs> yes. But to interfere with that was a big no-no. It was very taboo. It's like that. It was taboo. Like the game. Yeah. Well, Is that a game? Taboo is a game. Okay. Uh, it has nothing to do with dead bodies, though. Well, that's a disappointment. I guess I'll cancel my Amazon order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1506, James IV, because I can Roman numeral, of Scotland... Hesitantly gave the Edinburgh Guild of Surgeons and Barbers permission to dissect certain hanged criminals. Really? Yes. Because like barbers were like um, dentists. That that's where the red and blue barber pole comes from. The red and white one. Is there not blue on there? I didn't think so. There might be. It's red and white striped. Though. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought there was blue on there, too. Because it was a medicine thing? Yeah. Interesting. Because, like, the red was, like, blood. The red was for the blood that they were going to spill because they were probably not super trained. That's where you go to, like, get your teeth yanked out. Yank them. Also, I guess... Yank them if you got them. Uh, if I'm... I read an article that dentists actually have, like, a really high suicide rate. Yeah, I've heard that, too. weird i don't i wonder what it is about the profession you know teeth are sad yeah anyway um i got real dark there for a second (laughs) uh back to the podcast eventually henry the eighth that's the same henry the eighth from the song you know the song henry the eighth i am oh because i had istanbul is constant no I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and everyone was a Henry. Oh, know that song? Okay. Maybe I'm the weirdo in the room. <laughs> Henry VIII followed his fellow monarch's lead. He, however, only allowed four felons a year to be served up to the surgeons. So these surgeons were probably like... Thirsty for corpses. Thirsty for corpses. Yes. Thirsty for corpses. Like we're only allowed to get four a year, and there's a Th- lot of us. Thirsty for corpses is the name of our new album that we're is releasing. Thirsty for corpses is my band name. Yeah, um, this was viewed as one of the worst punishments that could be administered by the crown. 
This was due in large part to the belief that such treatment could lead to consequences in the afterlife. So by many, this practice was viewed as a fate worse than just death. The hanging or surgeons? Uh, being given to the surgeons. Oh. Naturally. So like the dead people are the ones subjected to the consequences after yes. death? Yes. After being hung? Yes. That's just not great. No. Like, they're already having a bad time. I can't imagine being executed in any fashion can be, is great because the buildup is probably the worst. Well, that, but, but I mean. But the gallows has to be the worst. Well, I mean, like, you've been sentenced to death. It's a spectacle. Everyone and their mom came out to watch. Now they've given your body to one, a surgeon. They were selling hot dogs. <laughs> They gave your body to the surgeons for dissection. And, and now, now, Jesus won't take you. After you're dead, Jesus won't take your spaghetti corpse. Or they will, but all the other people in heaven are going to bully you. Like, <laughs> look at this asshole. <laughs> look at the Swiss cheese. Um, But yeah, I don't know what kind of consequences they're talking about in like predominantly Christian place. I don't think that's like, in the Bible, but okay. I'm just saying, last rites, I don't know. Revelations? Anyway. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I have lost my place. My bad. Oh. Uh, so naturally, this feeling of fear was exploited by executioners of the era. They would often, in theatrical fashion, deliver the corpse of the condemned to waiting surgeons in front of medical students and paying members of the public. I can just imagine them doing it like a... Now what I'm picturing, what I'm picturing is the surgeon is ready because the hanging is scheduled, and of course he's the medical like, students are there, and members of the public would also pay to come watch these things, watch not just medical. Yeah, watch, watch dissections. Ooh. I don't know why. It would be me too, though. There wasn't any TV. I don't know. You couldn't well, watch that, like Game of like, Thrones or anything for your violence. I'm not sure if this is during the same time, but the Paris morgue used to be like a thing. Mm-hmm. They would find dead people. You'd come find your dead. They would keep them at the morgue in Paris. I'm pretty sure it was like right behind Notre Dame. Um, people would just come to look at the dead bodies. Yeah, like that used to be like a spectacle. You know, that's not really that weird. I don't think you would but definitely do that, thing. wouldn't you? I would do that, but I would do the same thing. Like this. Uh, p- yeah. You're going to watch somebody dissect a corpse. We know nothing about corpses. Death has always fascinated like, people. Hey, what's this dude look? What do we look like inside? Oh, oh spaghetti? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but like death has always fascinated people. So it's not mm-hmm. that weird when I think about it. Yeah. So the growth and fascination with anatomy and physiology led to a need for fresh corpses. Suddenly, four felons a year just weren't going to cut it. So in 1752, anatomists were given access to the corpses of every felon executed by hanging. I wonder if this deterred people from commit crimes. Uh, I don't know. Considering the, the well, but I don't you could know. probably put people in jail for anything, so. Well, even having access to the corpses of every felon that was hanged. Still uh, not enough? proved to be insufficient in meeting the demand for fresh corpses. With medical schools springing up all over the country, a black market trading in the dead quickly rose to meet the demand for cadavers. A common practice was to burrow into the head end of the grave, 
tie a rope around the neck of the corpse and drag it out of the ground. For those wishing to be a bit more subtle, you could dig a hole at a distance from the grave and then tunnel to the body or tunnel the body out. (laughs) So this helped mask any evidence that the grave had been tampered with. Yeah. But they would often uh, leave the shroud and items in the grave. They would just take the body. They'd leave it behind. um, Yeah, and just take the body. Uh, Apparently, body snatching had a lesser sentence than grave robbing within the courts at the time. So, so if you stole a you body, don't... it was one punishment. But if you stole like a wedding ring off the corpse's finger, it was like a big time deal. Okay. Unf- if you say so. I do say so. Unfortunately, without refrigeration, cadavers would decay quickly and required frequent replacement. Yeah, especially like depending on where you're at. I want to know what they were doing with the bodies when they were done. Like, is this a mass grave situation? Did they just... This hey, is a river situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fortunately, surgeons Shallow very grave. seldomly questioned from whence their fresh supplies came. In fact, many in the field, including figures of authority, deemed the practice a necessary evil that allowed for life-saving research. Yeah. Uh, a successful example of this life-saving research was the operation to remove bladder stones which was significantly improved upon in 1727 with knowledge gained from the study of these bootleg cadavers. Um, once upon a time... probably helps when you know where you're going. Yeah, the operation at one point took hours, but the improved techniques allowed for completion in under a minute. So this reduced, really? blood, lo- it reduced blood loss, physical distress, and the chances of infection. I was going to say the less time you're like digging around in there... Especially because you know people weren't washing their hands. Oh, God. Um, Thank God for germ theory. So, yeah, from hours to minutes. I'd say that's a pretty good improvement. Yeah, no, this was 1727. Ooh, that's, that's really good. Yeah. Now we don't even have to use our hands. But who, I hear you asking, who <laughs> would do such a thing? Who could possibly make a living stealing fresh-ish corpses? From the ground and just, selling them to doctors and medical professors. We just talked about this. What? It's the movie based on real events. Repo, the genetic oh, opera. Oh, no, it's Grave not. Grave robber. We follow his whole story. He doesn't steal bodies. He does. He, he just takes the juice and leaves them, doesn't he? Yeah. Is that not a form of grave robbing? His name is Grave Robber. He's robbing graves. He's not body snatching. We established in the last paragraph that Fine. those are different things. Fine. Allow me to introduce the Resurrection Men. Here for it. Let's hear about them. The Resurrection Men were criminal body snatchers that would snatch fresh bodies from their graves and sell them to those in need of fresh bodies to dissect. <laughs> to those in need. <laughs> yes. They steal from the rich and give to the ones in need. To those in need of fresh corpses to dissect. This distasteful trade flourished from the end of the 18th and beginning of the 19th centuries. Although awful, this practice kept medical schools supplied with the fresh cadavers they required for dissection. Also, just a spoiler alert, the term fresh cadavers, fresh corpses, corpses, cadavers, bodies will be used at least a billion times. So if you're playing some kind of drinking game, you will die. (laughs) Um... 
During this time, great efforts were being put into understanding the inner workings of the human body in order to advance medical knowledge. So, I don't know, but it kind of seems like a necessary evil, you know? Um, it's important. Interestingly enough, the dissections were a, were quite a spectacle, as we discussed briefly. I wonder if they were selling, like, tickets. Members of the public would oh, proceed... Please. would attend the proceedings in order to watch the gory display. I guess that there wasn't a whole lot going on back then. No. I was going to say, are they selling tickets to the public to come watch to pay grave robbers to oh, get... Oh, interesting. It's like, hey, that looks like Grandma. <laughs> um, But you know what? That's fair because uh, I would totally watch a human be dissected if I had the chance, you know? I've watched a human be dissected. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, like, it's a thing. It's still a thing, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but you can I mean, find it on YouTube. To, <laughs> we don't have to rob graves anymore, but I'm pretty sure that there are still cadavers that we practice things on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My grandfather was donated to science. He was a cadaver for a med student. Oh, nice. He said it was the only way he was going to get into med school. That's funny. He said that? <laughs> yeah, he said That's that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, Tony. Obviously, they were also, these things were also attended by medical students, as you might expect. The students would pay a fee in order to observe a master of anatomy, perform the dissection, and give its commentary on the procedure. I, master of anatomy, I put in quotations because we've established that early man was an idiot, and I don't think it <laughs> took a whole lot to be a doctor in these days. Was it med schools are popping up though? So we're headed in the right we're direction. We're heading in the right direction. They're probably still affordable. I don't know. Anyway, ultimately, each medical student would need their own cadaver to dissect in order to further their training as a surgeon. Yeah. Since the goal was to eventually progress to the point of operating on live patients, starting with dead people was probably the good move. <laughs> I can, um, I'll vouch for that, yeah. However, this further contributed to the already high demand for cadavers. Drink. Needless <laughs> to say, the demand kept growing and growing. And growing. The end. <gasps> Just kidding. Now, as I mentioned before, legally, only the corpses of murderers that had been executed by hanging could be used for dissection. Mm -hmm. So specifically people who were hanged. The bodies had to be rapidly cut down from the gallows and rushed over to one of these schools of anatomy before decomposition could really take hold. Were they building schools next to the gallows? That's a great question. I do not know. Huh. Maybe they, the gallows would probably be easier just construct it nearby, you know? Well, like, oh, here's a prison. We'll just put a school next to it. Maybe. Once again, there was no real refrigeration to speak of. Yeah. So it's like kind of time sensitive. That's smart though. We should go and see. Like now, every time I see like a like an old building that used to be a prison or something next to a school, I'm gonna be like, uh huh, yeah. Oh no, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. them old body snatchers. Mm -hmm. We're still in Europe right now. So believe it or not, yeah, I I'm only talking about Europe. Oh, it, okay. it also happened in the U.S., but 
Well, you know. The better known cases happened in Europe. Well, I was going to say, we're still, America is still pretty young right now, I think. Little baby. Little baby. Actually, America at this point is not a country yet. Yeah. 1727. Yeah. They're still a colony. So. Just a colony. So it counts. Really... They're Europe. Sure. Basically. Ish. Controlled by yeah. the king. Anyway. Right up until, you know, rich uh, white slave owners didn't want to pay their taxes anymore. And then we had a revolution and now we're a country. Go America. USA. Yay. Anyway, uh, believe it or not, the estimate of how many cadavers were dissected per year is around 500. And that's just in the medical schools in London. Oh, because I was going to say that number seems really low. Unfortunately for these rampant cadaver carvers, you like that? Cadaver carvers. Rampant cadaver carvers. The end of the 18th century saw fewer capital punishments being awarded to criminals. Many were simply being transported to Australia for their crimes. So Ooh, that's fun, I guess. That's a, a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't as much of a vacation spot back then, I don't think. No, it's not. Everything in Australia will kill you. Can you imagine being like the first few people there and it's like, oh, look at this little. Uh, they came with the accent. There's like a little bug here. Oh, God. And then it's just like, that's probably not funny. Anyway, yeah, they came with the accent. Oh, it just came off the boat and the accent's changed a bit. Must be because we're so far from the equator. Weren't there people already in Australia? There were indigenous people, yeah. Aborigines? Yes. I know a thing. Do you know a thing? Uh, They were, and I don't think that uh, it went well for them because, you know. Kind of hard to fight off a kangaroo when you don't know what a kangaroo is. No, I, I don't think it went. Well, for the indigenous people, as is the case typically when Europeans show up on your land and just kind of fuck shit up. (sighs) Anyway. uh, Bring plague and disease. As the supply of cadavers began to drop, gangs of criminals began to form that would dig up newly buried bodies in the middle of the night and sell them off to whoever, mostly doctors and anatomists, I'm sure, but you you never know. The casual Jeffrey Dahmer. Just casual cannibal or like a, you know, nighttime necrophiliac. Casual cannibal. The sequel to Consensual Cannibal. Yes, casual cannibal. He liked his corpses with a cup of Earl Grey and a nice (laughs) book on tape. Uh, And he never wore a tie. Um, The money on offer was well worth the risks involved as they could earn as much as 10 guineas, which a guinea is like a pound and one shilling. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Your face, it looked like you knew that already. Mm-hmm. You did know that? Yeah. Why'd you know that? thought I was going to wow you with knowledge and I was met with a face that knew the answer already. <laughs> I like old money. Okay. Well, that's fair. Okay. Well. You could earn as much as 10 guineas for a fresh young corpse, which was a great deal of money at the time and enough to keep the gang going for several months. Yeah. The punishment for stealing corpses was also not particularly severe as it was not classed as a felony and was only viewed as a misdemeanor under common law. 
Therefore, the resurrectionists were not risking transportation or execution, and if they were caught, they would only be fined and put in prison for a little while. Just like for the night. Yeah, like, okay, buddy, uh, you're sleeping in the back cell again because you smell like dead people. <laughs> um, like I mentioned before, they were very careful to remove only the bodies from the graves. Any valuables they found were left behind because stealing goods was a felony. Committing not committing felonies. Right. Committing Just such a Yes. Committing such a felony could potentially lead to the gallows. And where, then your body will be snatched. Where ironically, upon receiving their sentence, they would be donated for dissection. When the body snatchers become the body snatched. Well, not even. They just give them. Because if you're hanged, they'll just give you to the medical schools. So your body don't have to be snatched. It can just be leisurely carried. Well, you know, with purpose because decomposition. But what are you smiling at? No, I just love it. Let's go. Surprisingly, or maybe not that surprisingly, all things considered, the body snatchers were not that seriously pursued by local law enforcement. They're not really, like, bothering no, they're not bothering anybody. The the police, anyway. Right. They're, they're not actively robbing like storefronts and stuff. Right. Like, police probably people. had like you know more important things to worry about. Was like Jack the Ripper happening right now? They're still trying to figure that out. I don't remember when that happened, but I, I, there I has like to Jack be some the Ripper. Overlay. There has to be some overlay. I'm pretty sure that was the late in the 19th century, sometime in yeah. the 1800s. I was going to say, I feel like it was the 18. The 18s. Yeah, I think the later 18s. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 1888. 1888? Look at that. We're late 18s. London by gaslight. Um, it's the cobblestones that give it away. Yeah. All right, sorry. Back, back, back to reality. There was this kind of understanding that anatomists needed a good supply of cadavers in order to learn and teach and to improve their surgical techniques. So instead of trying to put grandma on the ground, why don't we just well, because give them away? Dissection had afterlife implications, as we've mentioned. Oh, right, right. That. In order to do this, they needed the steady supply of bodies that only the resurrectionists could provide. Relatives of the deceased were another story. They would stand guard over the grave sites of their loved ones in an attempt to prevent body snatchers from snatching the bodies Ooh. they held dear. They used to put like cages over them. Thank you. I know. It's my next sentence. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> no, they did used to put cages over them. So uh, whenever you go to like a um a graveyard that can have like a a cage, if it's really old, it could be for preventing body snatching or flooding. Do you know what the cages were called? No. So they used iron coffins and iron frames constructed over the graves, like you said. That's a good bit of knowledge. Well done. Uh, the cages were called mort safes. Mort safes. And they were used to that. aid in the protection of the corpses. Um, a lot of cemeteries were also very crowded. Yeah, they are. So many new burials were put in relatively shallow graves, which were easily identifiable from the surface. This made for a pretty easy job for the gangs of resurrection men. Uh, these gangs were also highly organized and pretty fucking ruthless, so it really should come as no surprise that eventually some of them turned to murder to meet the demands of their local medical schools. That's where it gets problematic. 
perhaps the most famously or infamously known crew for using these techniques, and one of the crews responsible for calling public attention to the evils of body snatching was that of William Burke and William Hare. Hmm. Yes, the Williams. I'm just kidding. That's not what they were called, but that's what <laughs> I'm going to call them. Okay. Um, Burke and Hare, the Williams. The Williams, if you will. Uh, were two yes. Irish immigrants who racked up a frankly impressive 17 victims in Edinburgh between the years 1827 and 1829. Did we watch a show about this? I talked about a movie about it in the car yesterday. But maybe. They might have maybe they talked about it on BuzzFeed. Lore podcast? Maybe. They have a show on Amazon, don't they? They do. It's good too. It's <laughs> basically like listening to a podcast but with like visual stimulation. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Which I guess is basically a TV show, right? Podcast with visual stimulation. Yeah. Anyway, um, their actions would become to would uh, would become to known. No, <laughs> their actions would come to be known as the Westport Murders, and make them the most famous body snatchers that Scotland had ever seen. Okay. I don't really know how many body snatchers Scotland has seen exactly, but apparently these two are the most famous. They are also the subject of a pretty sweet movie starring Simon Pegg and Andy Serkis called Burke and Hare. If you haven't seen it, then you're really missing out. Not the Williams. In fact, stop this podcast and go watch it right now. No, if you're busy. Nope. We'll wait. <laughs> how was it? gotta give him time <laughs> <laughs> just kidding okay are you back yeah how was it awesome right yeah i thought so <laughs> anyway william hare of the aforementioned burke and hare immigrated from northern ireland to the uk he worked alongside many other irish immigrants on the union canal before moving to edinburgh in edinburgh he ran a lodging house which I guess is like a... Like an inn. Like an inn. Like a and b William Burke was born in Ernie in 1792. Burke. Burke and Ernie? Yeah. Burke and Ernie. Hail. Ew. That's funny. I guess Ernie is like a town in Ireland. Uh, he moved to Scotland around 1815. Plot twist. He also worked on the Union Canal... And get this, the Williams were suspected to have first met there. Small world, huh? Wow. I know. Much like those two Muppet characters. Yeah. But less, oh, much less macabre. Back then, Edinburgh was fucking renowned for being at the forefront of medical science. <laughs> Actually, I think it might still be known for that. Yeah. The University of Edinburgh, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the world's top colleges. Now, I don't know what makes something a top college. I'm assuming it's the ability to trick someone into paying a bunch of money for an education <laughs> that will still only merit them an entry-level job, but here we are. <laughs> Unfortunately, in Edinburgh, much like the rest of the world, cadavers needed for research were in fucking short supply. In fact... 
Fewer than five corpses per year were allocated to the Edinburgh Medical College for research. That's it? That's it. That's it. That is not a lot. That is one more than four and one less than six. Thank you for that math lesson. You're welcome. I was I do I can do math. Confused for a second, but now I'm glad you were able to bring me up to speed with numbers. Now, five corpses a year, just in case you weren't listening to anything before this, ain't gonna cut it. No. Especially for the top college. I know, top college, top college. This led to a Mr. Doctor Professor Man at Edinburgh College by the Dr. name Doctor Professor Man. Mr. Dr. Professor Man at Edinburgh College by the name of Robert Knox paying for illegally exhumed corpses. Pause for shocked gasps. (gasps) So body snatching flourished in Edinburgh. The ordinary residents of Edinburgh reviled this so much that the recently buried relatives would be watched over 24 hours a day until such a time that the body was too decomposed to be a good target for body snatchers. So we're learning things together. We are learning we're things. We're learning things about decomp by sitting on, you know, grandma. Do you think they had to, like, dig them up periodically and was like, mm. And just, like, made a face hole? Yeah. Yeah, she's a... I think we're good, boys. Not looking too great down it's there. It's just, a, like, a hole and you can't see anything. You just got to give it a sniff. Oh, God. Give mm-hmm. it a sniff, Earl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She gone. Woo. That's a rough one. Oof. I don't think they want it. Let's go. I think lime was like a, a big deal whenever they figured that out. I do not know. They're like, ah, now we don't have to sit on top of grandma. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're like, what are they doing down there building cages? Maybe we should do that. Shut up. Keep making the coffee. We're staying here till she's decomposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Uh, they even started constructing high walls and watchtowers around many of Edinburgh's graveyards. Ooh, is this like the graveyard shift? Ooh, maybe. I wonder if that's where that comes from. I'm just coming up with like, just left and right. Yeah, I'm going to look that up later. I should have looked it up for this. Anyway, uh, remind me, please. Yes. So, the Williams crossed paths in late 1827 when Big Willie Burke became a resident at Hare's Lodging House in West Edinburgh. Born and raised. By the graveyards where I spent most of my days. Shovel in, pickaxe in. I don't know. I can't. Something about bodies. I was trying to think something about grandma decomposing, but I can't. Okay, move on. Anyway, it's cool. We can't. Yeah, we can't make up a song on the spot about a decomposing grandma. Sue us. No, don't sue us. By the graveyards where I spend most of my days chilling out, relaxing all cool. When a couple of guys that were up to no good started <laughs> making trouble in the, in the neighborhood. They, they snatched, snatched one, one little, little body, body and my grandma got scared. She said, you're sitting by your grandpa until it's next year. I don't know. Wow, that was pretty good. <laughs> I like that. Good. E for effort. And A plus for being able to do what I could not. Anyway, where was I? Oh, so they crossed paths in 1827 when uh, he ran a lodging house at West Edinburgh. Right. Uh, now, this might be bullshit because we've already established that they both worked on the Union Canal. So, did they meet then? Did they meet after? 
We don't know. It doesn't really matter. Um, later in life, Hare testified that the partnership began when they sold the body of a deceased lodging house resident to Dr. Robert Knox together. It's in the movie as well. Oh. Uh, he claimed it was to reclaim money that was owned by the deceased. It's like the the guy owed money, and they're like, "We're gonna sell your body, so we can get so we the money that, that money you put. right." Again, I don't know if that's true, and I doubt Robert Knox gave a shit either way. And there's probably not evidence to support or deny it. The two saw an opportunity to make money, so spurred on by the ever-increasing demands of Robert Knox, the Williams stopped waiting for their victims to die of natural causes. They started killing them. They started preying on the tenants of the boarding house, then moved on to prostitutes and strangers on the mean streets of Edinburgh. Mm. Edinburgh, I don't know. They even developed a trademark method of suffocation, which would later become known as burking. Burking? Yeah, like William Burke. No, I got that. Basically, they would lure people back to the lodging house, load them up with drinks, and then suffocate them. I've seen, yeah. No, I'm I'm fairly certain. Maybe. Lore. Maybe we watched this. Yeah. Maybe you watched this movie with me. Ouch. I don't think so. Anyway, jealous that Burke got top billing for their style of murder, Hare went nutso and killed his partner and donated his body to science. <gasps> I'm just kidding. Donated? Sold? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was known as burking, but that's not what happened to Hare. Uh, oh, okay. That, that was a lie. Burking got burked. Eventually, their crimes were detected when a body was found under the bed of William Burke. He tried to bribe the witness by offering them 10 pounds per week, but the witness refused. Hare was given. Can't leave witnesses. Mm -mm. Rule number one. I know. It's kind of weird that they murdered 17 people, but then somehow this witness survived, right? You're going to pay them to not say anything? Yeah. Just, just, you know. Kill them too. You got to pay him 10 pounds a week. He's got to silence him. I know. You could get like eight guineas for that. The dead don't say no. Yeah. And they don't, the dead don't don't die. They don't say anything. Right. You just stop there. Right. Uh, Hare was given the opportunity to flee in exchange for testifying against Burke. Burke, no loyalty, man. Burke was found guilty and executed. thieves. Burke was found guilty and executed by hanging on January 28, 1829. Crazily enough, he was then publicly dissected at Edinburgh Medical College, where his skeleton remains on display in the college museum. Yes. Can we go there? Yes. (gasps) Yay. At the risk of pushing this insane story even further down the rabbit hole of batshit crazy, a book was made from his skin. And this book can be viewed to this day in the police museum on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh. So Baby. we're going to have a little Burke and Hare vacation. I think we need to go to Edinburgh. I know. Scotland? Uh-huh. Let's go. I've always wanted to go to Scotland. Hare, on the other hand, fled to England where he was last reported to have been seen in Carlisle. Not surprising at all, Dr. Robert Knox was never prosecuted because there was no proof that he knew the corpses he bought were murder victims. Once again. Right. Foiled by get Dr. Off Knox. And the poor get got. Anyway. <laughs> Um, the Burke and Hare murders became a defining moment for changes to the way cadavers were provided for medical science. In 1832, the supply was increased via the 1832 Anatomy Act in order to combat the trade in corpses, new band name, trade in corpses, <laughs> across Edinburgh and the whole of the UK. 
The crimes of Burke and Hare were emulated by other body-snatching gangs in other parts of Britain. This was especially true in London, where there were several large teaching hospitals. These gangs would come to be known as the London Burkers. For burking. Burkers if you're nasty. Yeah. Bob's Burkers. (laughs) (laughs) Does not contain human flesh. Does not contain human flesh. These resurrection men gathered in the, in the public houses surrounding Smithfield within close proximity to the hospitals there. Also, I realized something while I was doing these notes, and I'm probably stupid, and anybody listening is probably like, yeah, I knew that, you fucking idiot. Ah. Pub is short for public house. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure, because it refers to pubs as public houses a lot, and that would make sense. Yeah, that would. It's just like, it started off as public houses. And it slowly became pubs. pubs, yeah. And then pubs started serving beer, and now they still serve beer. I'm pretty sure I've also heard the term pub house, so maybe. Pub G. Pub crawl. Um, quick side note, one of these pubs located in the vicinity of St. Bartholomew's was the Rising Sun which is now known as a famous haunted London pub. Can we go there? Yes, we'll go there on the same trip. Yes. The story goes that the ghosts of the resurrectionists, which are the body snatchers, haunt the pub. The ghosts are said to be unable to rest due to the crimes that they committed in life. Even when the building is empty, strange noises are reported to frequently be heard, and people claim to have had their bedclothes dragged off of them in the middle of the night. Which are like sheets and blankets. I know what bedclothes are. I'm telling are. the people listening. Because you know what bedclothes are. Because I call them bedclothes, right? Yeah. Had you heard of them referred to as such before? No. I don't know where I picked that up, but it's just bedclothes. It's bedclothes. It's a blanket. And a sheet. <laughs> and a comforter. Or it's a not duvet. your PJs. They're snatching PJs off. Well, I was just my thinking, pajamas, my pajamas. <laughs> the sheets like, were still on me, but my em- pajamas was said, gone. Even when it's empty, strange noises can be heard. And I was like, well, "Who is hearing these noises if everything's empty?" Oh, mm. I got you. Maybe like empty of guests, and the person hearing it is the person who works there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it if it's even open anymore? Yeah, I whatever. Another public house used by the body snatchers was the Fortune of War in Smithfield, which had been officially declared as a place for the reception of drowned persons by the Royal Humane Society. Now, apparently, the Royal Humane Society had established locations, especially in coastal towns, that were basically equipped with life-saving equipment in the interest of preserving life after water-based accidents. Now, I think this public house might have also just been a place where body snatchers would bring drowned bodies that they found. Yeah. I can't find evidence to support that, but... Can't find evidence to deny it either. Well, the the pub had a special room that was lined with benches for cadavers. The cadavers had the names of the body snatchers written on them, and the surgeons from St. Bartholomew's would come to look over the corpses to see which they thought looked best for dissection. Oh, my God. Um, So... The most famous resurrectionist gang that operated in London was led by a man called John Bishop. Mr. Bishop, we meet again. 
Bishop's gang included Thomas William, James May, and Michael Shields. It is estimated that over a period of 12 years, they snatched approximately 1,000 bodies from graves in order to sell them to anatomists at various London medical institutions. These included King's College, St. Thomas Hospital, St. Bartholomew's, and Guy's. Nice. Inevitably, they also progressed to murder and their crimes. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> As one does. Apparently, I'm seeing a theme here. Body snatchers are like, you know what? What if instead of snatching bodies, we just kill We just created some bodies. It's easy. I'll just dig them up. They'll it, already be dead. It seems foolproof, just but fresh. apparently some people uh, were more concerned about where the bodies came from than other people. Because uh, uh, here comes ethics. In November 1831, their crimes were discovered when they attempted to sell the body of a 14-year-old boy to King's College. They were expecting to be paid 12 guineas for such a fresh young corpse, but the staff at the hospital were very suspicious. The body did not appear to have been buried, which poses a problem. Just dig them through the mud for a little bit. Right, before it had been brought in for sale. Uh, the police were called and the gang was arrested. See, that's when you just start getting sloppy. I know, man. Uh, a house they maintained together was searched and evidence emerged that there had been more than one killing. In a bizarre move, the police then opened the house for viewing by the public. Visitors yeah, were charged that's... five shillings for the chance to view the house. This is where they slept. Most of the building was then taken away in pieces as souvenirs by these visitors. What? I'm just saying, apparently death tourism was already a thing, like, in the 1800s. No, like, I... Do you, you feel like you missed out? I don't feel like I missed out. It's like, okay, this is where they killed people. And this, this is, is where their th cabinet. And uh. this, <laughs> this is where they kept their dishes. You may take a plate if you wish. Um, <laughs> this is their bathroom door. Mine. <laughs> And it's still my bathroom door to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma, why does this door not match the rest of the house? I got that from the body snatchers. I got that from the burkers, honey. When they killed that boy. Okay, anyway. Well, I know like people took things from like the Berlin Wall. Whatever. It was like that was a significant historical moment. Yeah, but it's like a piece of a wall, but we're taking just like, oh, here's where some murderers lived, here's their house. We're gonna take it in pieces. This is by their doorknob. Yeah, and now it's my souvenir because I got to go there, and I just, I guess I don't get it. I don't know, man. You know what? You can afford to pay five shillings to look at a house, I guess. Whatever. Okay. All the gang members were collectively convicted of this crime. Did they I, get to share, like, the, the sentence? Uh, I think so. Initially, the victim was thought to have been an Italian boy named Carlo Ferrari, which sounds very made up. Carlo Ferrari is actually my alias on the internet. Is it? No. <laughs> but Bishop confessed that the victim was, in fact, a young cattle driver from Lincolnshire. Really? Yes. Lincolnshire. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. But I, I've, I've heard of it before. You have? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. I'm just, I don't know if that's pronounced correctly, but I know Lancashire is pronounced like that. So I'm just kind of yeah. using deductive reasoning. If you're British, correct me. Or from the UK, I guess. Don't correct me. I like being stupid. They had lured the body to their lo the body. God damn it. I've dehumanized him already. They had lured the boy to their lodgings from a pub called The Bell. He's just a body. In Smithfield. 
And once, I don't know if it was called the Bell in Smithfield or if it was called the Bell and it was located in Smithfield. <laughs> and once they had him there, he was drugged with rum and laudanum, laudanum. which we've learned from uh, Interview with the Vampire Keeps the Blood Warm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true, but anyway, at the, it sounded cool. At that time, Bishop and <laughs> Williams moseyed off to have a drink at another pub, and by the time they came back, the boy was super-duper unconscious as planned. Sure, this wasn't Claudia? Maybe. They're just covering their uh, their crimes. The tracks. They then tied a rope around his ankles and dangled him headfirst down a well where he drowned. They then stripped him and put him in a bag. First, they took the body to Guy's Hospital where it was refused. Then they took it to King's College where the aforementioned suspicion and calling of the police occurred. They also confessed to the murder of a homeless woman named Frances Pigburn and her child. Oh. They received eight guineas for her remains. They also admitted to luring, drugging, and smothering another boy called Cunningham, who was also then sold for eight guineas. I don't like that. Turns out murder is a felony. Weird. So Bishop and Williams were sentenced to death and hanged in Newgate Prison in December 1831. And you guessed it. Their corpses were taken from the gallows and donated for dissection. It's only fitting. In fact, large crowds of people came to view their remains. I, see. I can understand that. Yeah. Also, it turns out the patriarchy weren't the only ones having all the fun. And because in 1831, a woman called Elizabeth Ross killed a lace seller named Catherine Walsh by burking her. She then sold the body. Unfortunately for her, she was caught and also ended up on the gallows. It's a two for one. Yeah, two for. Well, I bet they didn't like, you know, give back the body. I'm sure they didn't. All of these gruesome murders eventually led to the introduction of something we mentioned before, the Anatomy Act of 1832. Uh-huh. What is that? Uh, until the enactment of the Anatomy Act of 1832 in Britain, the taking of corpses from graves was not itself illegal as the corpse had no legal standing and was not owned by anyone. What was illegal was the dissection of the corpses and the theft of items other than the corpse itself. As I mentioned, physicians and medical students who purchased corpses had little interest in where they came from, and as we've established, the body snatchers usually left behind everything except the body in the coffin. It may seem disturbing to us that these surgeons and medical students turned a blind eye to where the cadavers they used for dissection came from. But, just to reiterate, they needed them to increase their knowledge of the human body and advance medical science. Admittedly, murder may have been a step too far. <laughs> Luckily, the implementation of the Anatomy Act of 1832 provided the steady supply of fresh corpses that the medical profession required to develop new surgical techniques learn about the workings of the human body, and train the surgeons of the future. The act allowed any corpses from prisons and workhouses that were not claimed for burial by their relatives to be given over to the medical schools for dissection. Okay. This act effectively put a stop to not only the illegal body snatching and murders, but also our episode. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that anatomy act. Is that a, a good thing? You've ended our episode prematurely. That never happens, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a little thing, a little little information about body snatchers. Oh, I loved it. 
Oh, that was good right there. I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good one. One thing we did not do in the beginning was <sighs> plug ourselves. Take it away, Billy. So you can find us where most podcasts are cast. Uh, we have many links at linktr.ee slash OOPP. As always, you can find our OG site at www.ouroddpodpodcast.com. Um, please contribute to our Patreon, or at least just go check it out. We uh, upload bonus stuff there. Um, we have a few tiers. You can check it out. Uh, Patreon.com slash Patreon. If you like our intro and outro music, DarrenCurtisMusic.com is the place to go for all your royalty-free music needs. Uh, he's a really good dude, so help him out if you can. And that's it. That's that's my plug. That was wonderful. You did great. Thank you. I feel like a like a professional. <laughs> I really miss my calling. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a. We should be on radio. Oh well. Morning radio. Mornings. It's You'll Billy. be waking up and I'll be up. Oh, it'll be late night for you. I'll be early morning. Late night, early morning with the Boneses. <laughs> we'll start at midnight and we'll go to 12. Ooh. I'm just kidding. It's a long time. I don't like that. Yeah. All right. Well. Well, that's all I got. I hope all. you enjoyed it. I did. It was good. Uh, it's a little shorter than usual, but. What ups? We have like a narrow window today because someone slept in. Someone has to go to work. So, uh, thanks for listening. As always, we are the Boneses. And, and we, we are, are out. out.